Welcome to Successful Options Trader of the Month for December 2015. Before we get going, we would like to remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker-dealers or financial advisors, and we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that there is substantial risk in trading options, and make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. We may go over some live trades, we may do some hypothetical trades, but in either event, if they are hypothetical, they are believed to be as accurately represented as possible. Trader of the Month. This is uh, uh, something that we do. It's a program that Sherry and I came up with to reward and honor those traders who have put in the work and as a result are doing awesome with their trading. They receive the prestigious Lock in Your Success hat and an entry to attend one of our future events for free, an entry in a contest for that. A trader can qualify for, sex, for successful trader of the month in several ways. First is to provide a trading plan and a recent trade that we'll evaluate. Second would be to stand out by helping uh, in the community. This might be through sharing useful information, providing guidance, or providing, uh, providing encouragement. Third might be if I notice somebody who breaks through a significant barrier they've been having or overcomes a challenge. And fourth would be for creativeness. In other words, someone who has successfully adapted their trading to their unique personality, whether it be through one of my systems or styles or someone else's, or even better, maybe something they even came up with completely on their own. Today I'm speaking with David Heinzen. And David was chosen because of outstanding progress that he's made as a trader in the last year or so. It's just been uh, fantastic. He's been setting some nice goals, realizing his goals while consistently improving his game and being an, uh, and having just an awesome attitude. So good morning, David. Good morning, John. Thank you very much for having me. appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, now, can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, born and raised here in the uh, Midwest, uh, live in Indi Indianapolis on the outskirts, and uh, went to uh, Purdue University, which is right down the street from here, between Indianapolis and Chicago. Um, well, was in the aviation program there, and and uh, soon, yeah, soon after that, when I started to get into the stock market. Great. So you've been in the stock market for a while then. Yeah, and not uh, wouldn't say necessarily active, but uh, uh, was taken under the wing of a of a successful person uh, right after college who was telling me a, a lot about uh, you know investing in the stock market, and uh, uh, so yeah, I, I did know and was interested from a young age. Okay, so you're interested in the stock market, and you had some. Do you mind telling us who he was, or, or is he still trading today, or is it just? Well, it, it was actually just uh, what happened is uh, in college I, I got an aviation degree, and by the time I graduated, I had all my ratings and certificates that I could possibly get uh, at that time with the experience that I had. And so after I graduated, I stayed there on campus and taught other students how to fly. You get your, your CFI or your certified flight instructor license and then that allows you to teach others how to fly. And most of the time it was other students my age but there was also a gentleman who um, he was in his 40s at the time and had his own airplane and so I looked up to him as, as being very successful uh, but he also sure. wanted an instructor 
to go with him uh, just to feel safe. And so because he already had his airplane and knew really how to fly, I was just there kind of monitoring. And so we talked quite a bit, and one of the things he told me as a, as a young college graduate is you need, to, you need to be in the stock market, you need to invest for your future, and you know, at the time he said mutual funds uh, okay. are the way to go. And, and he said, you know, I've got a guy. So that led me to talk with the, the uh, local guy at the, at the local bank, and I got invested with the small amount of money I, I had at the time. You, you know, you go back to... Uh, yeah, beginner I, pilots I, don't have a whole lot of money usually. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it's funny. Um, you def there's definitely a ladder to, to, to climb. Uh, as, a, as a college graduate, with lots and lots of debt, uh, my base salary was $125 a week. And on top of that, I received 8 or $9 an hour uh, for time that I spent with students. But if it was the middle of January and the weather was crappy and nobody wanted to come out to the airport, then there'd be days where nobody would come in. But I had to be there and, uh, you know, uh, pay my dues, so to speak. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's challenging. So, okay. So that's great. So you started with this guy, and you invested some of your money in like mutual funds and stuff, or? Yes, I did, and and I was with this guy for a long time, and and I bet there's other people that are out there listening know this story because they've probably heard it themselves, where they get a broker who says, you know, come invest with me, and and everything will be fine, and they. They are very interested in in you and um, put a you know, they put a smile on their face, but in the background they're you know getting fees of all sorts uh, for the stuff they sell, and that doesn't mean that all brokers are bad. Uh, but it, after a while, looking back, it put a bad taste in my mouth because what I learned later on in life is that these mutual funds that I was being put into had front-loaded, you know, back-end yeah. loads and, and yearly commissions. And every so many years, uh, this broker would call me up and say, you know what, I don't like this uh, fund. Let's put you in some other funds. And what I learned later is that's just churning the account. And it was, it was um, just yeah. more, more fees for him. Right, right. Unfortunately, that happens a lot in that industry. A lot of the brokers don't really, really have any idea how to trade or make money in the market. They're just salespeople. So, absolutely. Yeah, very challenging. So eventually, you got out and decided you're going to manage your own money. I did, and it wasn't. I think the last straw was when the broker called me up and did the whole routine about uh, changing mutual funds, and then I did so. And then about three weeks later, I get a form letter from the bank that says that this guy is retiring. <laughs> and so, again, I, I do some more research and find out that he put me into those funds probably so he would continue to get a commission even after he retired. So um, mm -hmm. I just thought that was uh, bad, and it helped kind of push me. You know, sometimes things get bad enough that it pushes you in the right direction. And so I took it upon myself to learn some more um, and and find out as much as I could about investing, and that's that's when I got in the stock market. That's cool. So how did you start when you started trading? What did you start with? 
Uh, I actually started with no-load mutual funds. I figured, well, I've, I've been in funds. Uh, they should work, but they have all these fees associated with them. So I just I did some research online and, and got into some, some no-load type funds. But again, uh, in, this, in that time frame, 2000, 2010, you know, they call it the lost decade where the money didn't really come in at all. And it wasn't right. until about 2008 where I was uh, working with another guy um, who was, and he was an older gentleman at the time as well. And it was September, October of 2008 when everything was going down and he was telling me how much money he was making. And I pretty much said, <laughs> yes, <laughs> how, how are you doing that? And he told me options. And uh, for most of you here, you remember that day, that first day you heard about options. If it was anything like me, you got really excited because it was something new. Um, but I couldn't tell you what kind of strategy he was doing or, or what a put or a call was. But whatever he was telling me, it, I found it uh, superbly interesting. And so that led me to, to go out and, and find all that I could, uh, you know, information, books, uh, stuff from the library, stuff on the internet. So that's great. So mostly self-taught with options. Uh, the first couple of years, yes. The, yeah. This uh, back in '09 uh, is when I started, and just doing the cash secured puts, selling them, buying calls. You know that the simple one, buy one, sell one, or a vertical, something like that. And I did that for about a year or two uh, mm -hmm. before I made the progression. Right, and then you started doing more complex stuff. Absolutely. Right. How were you? How were you doing? Did, did you do well? I did do well, and if you look back at the stock market, you'll see why. Uh, from from about February or March of 2009, when I started these kind of bullish strategies, because <laughs> most most uh, people start with the the bullish strategies, right? They're they're buying calls. Which they now, you know, that's and you had the timing down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So of course I thought I was the I was a genius, and uh, so all of 2009, 2010 I did very well. And of course then you start ramping up, and that's the worst thing that could happen. And I I think I I sold a uh, sold a a put on like Google or something and. It went against me and went against me bad. So uh, then you kind of go back to the drawing board and say, oh, wait, maybe I'm not a genius. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of traders. And, and to some people, it's the worst thing that can happen to them as they start out and they just find something and it seems to work for, you know, even a year or two sometimes. And they think they found the holy grail. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, when they, unfortunately, some of these people, they're, they're really quick to jump out of their careers. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they find out that, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> market conditions are different and the same thing doesn't work anymore. Absolutely. And that's that's why, you know, as you've said many times you, before, you can't just always go in, in one direction. You you can't uh, have always a, some bullish strategy. I remember you talking about one time uh, someone came up to you and said, hey, I've got this great, you know, strategy and it right. it always wins well it always wins if the market is doing what you want <laughs> of course of course right and it, and and yeah and, and like i said it, it that's why it's important to really learn how to trade so okay so things were going great and then all of a sudden things weren't going so great right and then so i had to go back back to the drawing board and um and 
So as as many people do, they get to a point where you know where the, you know what a call and a put is, you know what the vertical and the iron condor is, but then you also realize that there's more to it out there, and that's when I started looking online and deciding I needed some 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 education. And one of the first places I went, I don't know if it's still up and running or not. It's it's a called AB, uh, Option ABC, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, gentleman gentleman Alex Mendoza, who was an excellent teacher. I don't not sure if he does does that or not, but I became a, a member there, and that was my kind of first taste into uh, intermediate uh, options. And him and uh, Greg Lair got together and. Uh, I signed up for some some webinars there and and really had a, a really good foundation to to go from there. Okay, good. Yeah, so Washington so sweet. You kind of learned what they're like condors and butterflies and straddles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Again, it was more more of the theory type stuff, and uh, it knowing the theory doesn't make you a, a great option trader, um, but it it can uh, you know help in your adjustments. Just because you know how the delta is going to change with a volatility change doesn't mean you're going to make any money on it. It just helps you to know what happens to your trade in those conditions. Right, right. I think it's, I mean, obviously you do need to know the mechanics of trading. Otherwise, you can't do anything. So. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some people out there that say you don't need to know the, Greek, the Greeks at all, and, and I have a problem with that because if you don't know what the Greeks are at all, then you're going to really have trouble managing your trade. Well, you certainly have a disadvantage of not having the basic tools. It's not that you can't make money. I've seen people make money who really don't know anything. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, to have that additional information, you can just do that much better. Yes, and and it's one of those things that if you do it enough times, it's that it's that whole repetition thing. Once you do it enough times and and you've seen it enough it kind of gets put on autopilot in the back of your brain so you can focus on on more, more important things right right exactly so how were you doing at that point uh about about average i would say i, I wasn't losing a ton of money um but i wasn't making a, a great deal either i i think i past the point uh, where most option traders go ahead and quit or throw in the towel or blow up their account, that sort of thing. Right, right. Um, so I was still humming along, and it was something that I was very, very passionate about. So I, I continued to uh, to look, um, look around. And at the time uh, that I wanted to take that next step, I knew that it was going to cost some money to do it, and the places out there were like Discover Options, uh, Sheridan mm -hmm. Mentoring, whatever the TD Amer Option, Optionetics, and Invest Tools, that sort of thing, and they were all very expensive products. And I, I turned on no nice. yeah, so that was that was exciting and, and fun for me. Uh, as you know, as a as a teacher and a, an instructor, you never know uh, a subject as much as you do when you teach it. So you you can't you can't fake that right. So right. I had to get in there and 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 know the information back 
inside and out, that sort of thing. So that, that helped me a lot. And so I was in charge of, of doing uh, like a theory class where I'd talk about the, the Greeks and the, the second order Greeks and how they interact. And then uh, the second half uh, of the webinar, I would do a, a case study where I would start a trade from scratch and every week we'd, we'd talk about where we adjusted it. So I was in the market the whole time. It wasn't just a deal where uh, I'm sure you've seen people out there that are instructors, they don't trade, they don't <laughs> trade their own money. Uh, yeah. that, that doesn't make sense to me. It would, what that tells me, John, is that they couldn't make money trading, so now they're just going out there uh, instructing the theory, right? Yeah, there's a lot of people that do that, unfortunately. That and also they do trade alerts to make money, and, and even though they're not making money in the markets, it's kind of right. interesting. Yeah, yeah if, if you're doing trade alerts and you're not doing it with your own money, it doesn't, it doesn't work out. Yeah, but uh, with with a growing family and uh, you know lots of uh, stuff at home and at work, I had to to stop teaching uh, earlier this year, about March or April of this year, and and that's freed up a lot of a lot of my time um, to to trade your strategies, and I've I've been very successful, more successful with your strategies than than any other. Well, what dragged you over to my camp? <laughs> well, that's, that's a funny question. I was uh, in early 2013. I was doing some research online. I was at the time teaching broken wing butterflies, and so I wanted to learn as much as I could about how butterflies worked. So when I did an internet search on butterflies options, uh, your name came up. Interesting. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I found your webinar and uh, some sort of PowerPoint for maybe one of your meetups. And so being the uh, frugal guy that I am, I tried to reverse engineer you, <laughs> what you were doing without buying the, buying okay. the course. And sure. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people can, do that, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I can tell you that, that what's enticing is, is that you give away a lot of stuff, and that's great. But not enough to do it successfully, I think. So that's why in, in mid-2013, I did uh, go on the SMB site and buy all your products that you had and uh, then started on the road to, you know, just a six-month intense look at the M3, your bearish butterfly to rock, and I took tons of notes on it and back-traded and paper-traded and uh, really just dug in. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And eventually yeah. you came to the M21 workshop too. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that, like I said, that was mid-2014. Then I came and met you and the other great M21 traders that I still meet with once a month or, or more often uh, up there in New York. So that was a fun time. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Now, you have a PowerPoint on your own, right? Did you want to look at that or? Yeah, sure. Let I'll, we've we've talked about some of the stuff, but then this will jog my memory to uh, bring some other things on. Okay, great. Well, I've made you presenter. You can share your screen. You had a trade to show us too, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yes, cool. So we'll just run through this real quick and uh, fill in the blanks here. Uh, can you see my screen? Uh, I can, but I, it's not the um, it's not the PowerPoint. Yep, there we go. All right. So this is. Uh, What's funny is many people that may not know that I'm a pilot, and so uh, 
this is just something I see in, in everyday life going to work. So the question is, is this a simple paint job or a T plus zero line? So this is the airplane that I fly. And uh, if you look at the yellow line here that swoops from lower left to upper right, what does that look like? <laughs> I thought that was, you know, maybe that's just my... <laughs> that's how we got you right there. You had a, it, right. you had a familiar, familiar plurality <laughs> in your head there. <laughs> Absolutely. So I just I thought that was that was kind of clever that uh, it, the 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 paint job we have on our airplane kind of looks like a, a T plus zero line there. Yeah, if you flip, flip it around, the expiration graph looks like the plane going uh, going higher. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can you can see that see the tail of the airplane there taking off. Nice. <laughs> so uh, many times. People will say, "Well, why do you trade options?" Well, here's here's my family, and and that's why I trade options. That I took this picture about three, two or three weeks ago. It was like 60 degrees outside, and we all went to uh, a nature center uh, real close by to us. And uh, with the schedule that I have with my work, I I am gone sometimes for several days at a time. But uh, most recently, I've been home for about. Uh, before my last trip, I was home for 20 days in a row, so uh, I do enjoy my, my family time as well. So why do I trade options? Well, money, of course, everyone, that's why everyone trades, but for not, not the reasons that you might think. And so uh, I don't use, I don't take all the money that I make and, and go see what kind of Range Rover I can lease or uh, you know put a swimming pool in my backyard or something like that depreciating <laughs> assets not that there's anything wrong with an in-ground pool right but it's just you if you're going to use your, your money on something use it for um, use assets instead of liabilities and so what I want for my family and my kids I want to use the money to make memories and not go out and buy material things. And as an example, uh, we took the kids to Disney World last year, and they absolutely loved it. And I don't have any problem spending that kind of money on stuff that, you know, well, they might be too young. They might have been too young to remember it. But the fact is I've got an aunt that lives in Orlando, and she's got connections with Disney. So we stayed with her. We had free admission. Um, I bought airline seats with our with our credit card miles so it was it was a really cheap inexpensive trip and uh, we're making memories so I, I want to bring even doesn't matter how much how successful and wealthy you are I, I think it's important to um, to make memories and and not you know make sure your kids have the the latest Xbox because that they're not going to remember that Right, I agree. I mean, a lot of people have um, tons of money, but they're not wealthy. <laughs> right, and they're not happy either. And that brings me to my next point. Like, you can't, you certainly can't buy happiness. You can't buy more time. And I think I got this from you, John. You you can uh, change. You can exchange that money, uh, which is a commodity, for for buying time freedom. And the examples I have for that, uh, when our our youngest Adam was born, we had. Uh, a postpartum doula come in, and what that it's just a fancy name for uh, a gal who is very experienced with babies and and can help out around the house she would she would uh, you know hold the baby while my wife and I would take the twins out to the park or 
you know, it just freed up more time for us to do other things where uh, we could have her help out with the laundry and, and we could we could do other other things. Sure. Uh, another example is like get, just something simple like having your grass cut. Uh, I do enjoy cutting my grass, but there's sometimes that I need to be with my family and I can just make a call to do that. Uh, another example is uh, that my wife uses a lot when I'm gone at when I'm gone away and it's just her and three kids under four years old, it, it would be difficult for her to spend half the day trying to go to the grocery store. So we've got a service here called Peapod, and you can literally buy your groceries online and they bring them to your door. Nice. And and I don't have any problem spending the extra money on that. Right, right, because it's, yeah, quality of life, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So we talked about a lot of this and how uh, being – you know, interested in aviation and being a flight instructor got me uh, started with with investing. And I, I use day traded uh, loosely. I, I'm not sure I would be considered a day trader uh, in from that area area. But I was one of those guys that watched CNBC and they would you know say a ticker symbol and I would run to my roommate's computer, the only one in the house or in the apartment, <laughs> and, and buy the stock and then I would turn around and sell it later that day or, or the next day and a lot of times that would, uh, that would work out, but eventually it did not. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, another, another place where I learned a lot uh, was the Motley Fool and I'm sure a lot of your people here have heard of them. Um, I was a free subscriber in the late 90s and became a uh, you know, full sub subscriber uh, back in 08 or 09, something like that, and that, that helped out quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, I think 2014 was, was a turnaround point. It, it wasn't a, a great money-making year. I, I did uh, achieve my goals, uh, but I didn't stretch myself. I didn't have the uh, what is it, the big hairy audacious <laughs> goal, goal, right? <laughs> right. I just had uh, I had a monthly goal at the time, and I think it was like five thousand a month is, is, was my was my goal. And I didn't think about it over the long term and say, oh wow, that's sixty thousand a year. I can't possibly do that. I might have scared myself if I did that, but I just kept it small and ended up doing all right with that. And I think a lot of it, the the reason I had success was I had the goals. I had them written down, just like you and Sherry say, um, and I, I reviewed them. It was also, as we talked about, the time I got uh, came in and met you guys for them 21. We've got our group meetings. And that really helps helps you be held accountable. And And the other group members that I work with will tell you, you know, we're we're always uh, talking to each other and asking questions and showing our trades, showing our live trades. So you're you're putting it out there, right? And yeah, so that when you put it out there, you have to think twice before you make an adjustment because you know you got four people going to say, "Why the heck did you do that?" Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because people are going to uh, question that. And so again, as you you said, and I've kept kept in touch uh, with you. Uh, Sharing my goals uh, with you and Sherry again to help me put that put it out there and be held accountable. And so uh, this year I started with uh, with a big hairy goal, and uh, that was a big goal for me. Um, and of course, made me feel a little bit nervous and scared. But 
I think you need to do that, right, to, to stretch yourself. Well, it needs to be exciting and make you a little scared, yeah, but, 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 be, be, but be real enough to be exciting. So it looks like that's a great goal for you. <laughs> it was, it was, and, you know, it, it's not one of these things where I, I said, oh, I have a goal of making $500 this year. And it wasn't a goal either of, oh, I want to make $500 million this year. It was, it was realistic, but it was a, a bit of a stretch. Perfect. And so the year st I started it off right, I met with Sherry several times uh, with the ramp up of the Financial Freedom Classroom, and that, that really just set the foundation for the whole year. We talked about net worth statement, uh, how to budget, which is something that I've never done uh, up until that time. Uh, we talked about mortgages, and, and one thing that stuck with me was Sherry uh, suggested that we bring our, our uh, mortgage uh, to 50% of or, or better of the loan value. So I talked to my wife at the time and then uh, within a couple months we refinanced our 30-year into a 15-year. We brought money to the table and and we now have less than a 50% mortgage. So That's uh, fantastic. Now you don't have not, in, a, in a downturn you don't have anything to worry about now. You can always, you know, get out of your absolutely. property or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, if I have several more years like uh, like I've had in 2015, then I may just pay the darn thing off 10 years early. Wow, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you would have that mindset of knowing that that was uh, paid for. Nice. Of course, a new baby. Uh, met met you guys all in New Hampshire. Um, we had the options tried contest where uh, I stayed on the leaderboard. Uh, they did two metrics there: one by percentage and one by actual money. And percentage-wise, I, I was in the lower part of the top ten, maybe seven or eight or something like that. But on the actual dollar side amount, I was third. So I was real happy with, with that. And uh, again, with a shared option view, we all could see what everyone else is doing. So again, that was putting it out there, making you feel a little bit uncomfortable, uh, making you think twice before doing your adjustments, and trying not to, to overtrade, because it's easy to overtrade. And then uh, studying more on psychology, uh, both to be a better trader and better me, because uh, as I watched more and more of your webinars, John, I, I you know, saw how passionate you are about uh, NLP and hypnosis and all that stuff. And I, I tell you, uh, a couple of years ago, I would have said, "Oh, that all that is yeah. hocus pocus, right?" And I'm sure you you hear that a lot. However, I've been doing some reading on it and. It, it, it's all good stuff, and I see how successful you are, and think, well, you know, if he's passionate about it, there's got to be something to it. So, my question to you, John, is how often are you putting us in a trance when we listen to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we do put you in some trances sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's a good thing, right? Well, it's a good thing because everything I do is intended to to help you and make you tra and, and inspire you towards treat trading better and having a better life. So, right. Um, yeah, as long as you're going in that direction, I, I, I think that's completely as ethical to put people in trances and to get them to have a better life. And if you if you don't like that, then you can go somewhere else. <laughs> that's right. Abs absolutely. So, uh, uh, I and I just I I 
read a couple of psychology books just recently, one called Flow and another one by uh, Bruce Bauer who does work with SMB and, and mm -hmm. both are really good books. A um, lot of stuff on visualization, peak performance uh, of athletes and traders or, or any successful person. So I, I, I pass that along to anyone who wants to read up on that type of material. And they are excellent books. I agree as well. Yeah, so just some quick tips. Make sure you get out there and get a mentor. Everyone that's listening has you as a mentor, so I think that's great. Uh, you found the best guy there is out there. Um, one thing I can suggest is to plan out your adjustments and exits the night before. You know, I do that a lot with the time crunch that I have. There might be a full day where I'm not in front of a desktop, so I like to look at the market and see what a 25-30 point move in each direction will do to me, and I'll put those adjustments out there. If you don't use workspaces in TOS, you should, and and you can find. Uh, how, how, how to do that online, I'm sure, but if you go up in the upper right-hand corner of your toss, there'll be a setup button, and you can save your workspaces. You can go into the monitor tab up on the left and bring your actual trades in on the analyze tab, and that will show you your correct P&L. I also put in your my adjustments, um, my potential adjustments, and the synthetics all in those workspaces so I can monitor them on a continuous basis. And I put those orders, I actually put the orders in on the platform so I can be out and about and look at what the current prices and uh, of the trade and the synthetics are on my phone. So even if I want to buy 30 butterflies, I just put an order in for one. And if the butterfly is going for $9, I'll put an order in for you know 10 cents for one. So there's no way it's going to get hit. And if it does, I've bought a butterfly for a really cheap price. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I can be out and about. I don't have to have a monitor in front of me. Uh, uh, I can be in an airport somewhere and look at my phone and say, okay, I can buy the butterfly for 9 I can sell a call butterfly for 950 so it might be somewhere in between there. Right, nice. Right, I, th I don't think a lot of people realize that you know you're you're a pilot and you fly for a commercial airline, right? So you're not sitting there in front of your computer watching the watching this these things tick by tick. I mean, you're up in the air flying. I don't think you can even trade up there, can you? No, and that's funny yeah. you say that because I've been asked that before. Well, you must be you must be up there trading while you're flying, and the answer is absolutely <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, first off, we we can't we can't and we're not allowed to do anything online uh, in the flight deck uh, for obvious reasons. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm literally away from being able to make any trades for a lot of the times. Now, I, I do bid a schedule that has me working in the afternoon. So usually I'll, I'll start work from somewhere between 1 to 5 p.m. in the afternoon and fly until midnight. But then a lot of times I'll be gone for three days in a row, and I'll be in a hotel room in, say, Omaha, and then a, the next day I'll be in a hotel room in Seattle, uh, and I'm away from home and nothing to do in, say, 17 or 18 hours there. So uh, after eight hours of sleep, what do you do for another 10 hours? I think this is a great thing to do, and, and some days I do have my laptop in front of me in a hotel room, and I, I can monitor the stuff if I want to uh, during the day but I don't have to. And, you know, you talk about that all the time. Wait to do your adjustments in the afternoon 
or anytime, just once a day. And at first, you know, I heard it, but I didn't actually do it. And so I would catch myself saying, oh, I'm going to time this market. I'm better than the market. Uh, it's 10.30 in the morning, and the, the Russell is jumping up in price. Let me go ahead and get this vertical on. Uh, because I can get $2 for it now, and later on in the day, I'll only get $0.75. Cents. Well, as you know, you do that, and then the next thing, the Russell goes down, and that vertical you sold for 2 is now 8 <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, so just once a day, and that's, that's, uh, that's what I do now, and usually in the afternoon unless I have to work um, earlier. Right, right. I think, I think most of my more successful uh, students and traders – don't watch the market all day. Right. Because, again, you're just the, – the, the days that I have done that, because there's been days where I've done that, I just kind of get Join hunched over. Yeah, I get hunched, hunched over and uh, just feel bad. I realize, wow, it's been five hours since I've eaten, uh, and I'm staring at the screen, and it's still not doing what I want it to do. <laughs> Right. That's a good way to make your life stressful is just to sit in front right. of your computer and watch it. And I do. I have clients that come to me and say, I'm so stressed out trading. And they're like, what do you do all day? I'm like, you know, go out, go to the beach or something. Absolutely. And, and like I said, with, with three kids at home, we're always out doing something. We're out at the zoo. We go out to the children's museum. We're doing stuff with their school. Uh, I just I can't be tied down to a computer. And the trades that I do, if they're far enough from expiration, you know, as long as I'm not 10, 15 days from expiration, I don't have to monitor all the time. And if I know I'm going to be busy, I just get out of the trade and on to the next one. Nice. Yeah, so the last thing I've got is uh, books, online classes, shows. And the, the books that helped me early on, there's one called Options Theory and Trading. If you're just getting into options, uh, that's a really good book uh, by Ron Iannieri. If you've been in options enough, you know that the Bible is the options as a strategic investment. That's also a good kind of reference. It's not a book you read cover to cover. And then uh, for you advanced folks, if you're into the math of all of it, you could always get the option volatility and pricing by, uh, uh, I think it's Sheldon Nathan, Nathanberg. I'm not sure. Yeah, Sheldon Natenberg. That's it's it's a good book if you really want to get in on the nuts and bolts of like volatility and stuff like that. And I uh, something about psychology. Recently, I just watched a show on PBS called The Brain with David Eagleman. I oh, think okay. it was. Yeah. And you can find it on online or on iTunes. I figured out the, the show that I watched was, was one of, say, six. But the one that I watched was kind of asking the question, who's in control, you or your unconscious? And <laughs> the answer is your unconscious. I mean, you, you think you go into your, your uh, closet every day and pick out your clothes. Well, you don't. Your unconscious does it because it's a habit. All those habits that you, you talk about and you, you do over and over, it's your unconscious that's doing it. So that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, and that's, and that's what we study, and, uh, and that's what we deal with with uh, NLP and hypnosis and stuff is, is changing those patterns around. So very, very powerful when you look at that. That's a, I want to I uh, uh, watch that show. So. Yeah, yeah, I found out that you can get it on iTunes, and I'll probably do the same thing because I probably would like to watch all six. Nice. So real quick, I'll talk about 
the my favorite strategy, and it's this capital efficient M3 using weekly calls. And this is just something that I wrote uh, down to kind of make sense of what kind of profits I can make. As you know and as you teach, the standard 10 lot M3 is a 10% profit target. And then you can make your own you know, absolute max loss. And so, and that's using the 50,000. So if you go capital efficient uh, and maybe use weekly calls, roll the longs in, you can do twice that as you talk about in the APM course. And so theoretically you would have that 20% profit target. However, if we do become capital efficient during the trade, um, I kind of arbitrarily lowered the 20 down to 16. And then uh, from you or Seth or someone I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, but trading these shorter term trades, you can, you, you can often expect 75% of your profits. That might be a Seth thing. Um, sometimes that's true, yeah. Sometimes it's not, right? Because sometimes you'll be in a 56 uh, day to expiration trade and you'll make all your money in, in the next 20 days. And then sometimes it'll sit there for 30 days and not make anything. Right, right. But I think I think 12 percent is a reasonable target for, for a 35 day trade, sure. Yeah, so then I take the 16 times the 75 percent and get 12. Now that's a high, that's why I say max, because a lot of times you'll get somewhere between say five and eight, and I'm fine with that. Right. And so I'll leave you with this. This is uh, the New York Stock Exchange several years ago. I was with uh, the CEOs there of Motley Fool and some other group members, and I got to ring the bell. So that was really cool. That is cool. I didn't. I was wondering why you had that picture in there. I saw this PowerPoint from David. I said, "What the heck? Why is he putting that picture in there?" I didn't know you were there. <laughs> yeah, there, there I am. And uh, it was one of those deals where they were. Uh, Putting it out to certain certain uh, subscribers to see if if you could get there on on a certain day and and being able to fly standby, I I jumped on an opportunity. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So that that was that was something you could check off the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is it. And I didn't before I bring talk about the trade. You got anybody have questions or anything? Well, there is something about a companion book to the Eagleman Brain Show. So is, is there such a thing? That I don't know, but uh, it is a, a really, really good show. I, I can gonna, say that. I'm going to look. I'm going to Google it and see if I can find it. Okay. All, All right. right. So uh, here is my trade. I should have written down the parameters, but I didn't. Um, this is a... Uh, nine times M3, so under your rules, that would have been a $450,000 trade, but I used half of that and tried to double-size it. So the planned capital on it was 225000 and I used, um, right now you'll see when I, when I often start, I don't go all in. Uh, I'm six times right here. You'll see uh, 60 of the longs with some verticals and six... Uh, weekly calls. And just to give you an idea of how much that say, well, I probably can't go any lower. Um, but you'll see that the market price for an 1100 call was 93 bucks. If you go over here to the monthlies, this is 
98 bucks for the 88 delta. Uh, obviously, the one that's uh, 98 delta is going to be a, a ton more. Right. It's, it's usually half the cost. Yeah. So here's here was my my starting um, M3. So just your your classic uh, M3 trade. And I've got, I'm going to try to look on one screen here when I did my adjustments, and then I'll talk about it. So I started this um, 45 days to expiration on November 3rd. It's a December trade. And I didn't do anything until the 6th. Yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, in the 8 p.m. squared core, one of the things about the M3 is they're, they're not very capital efficient. And uh, in other words, when I when I we made it up, we purposely have people put in more capital than is necessary to trade the trade for various psychology psychological reasons. A lot of the trading systems I have are kind of built around um, the way people think psycho psychologically, which is why so many people are successful with them. Um, but later on, when you get better, you can you can actually almost double the size of your M3 with the same amount of capital, and that's what David's doing here. In case you you kind of missed that. Yeah, I, I really I really like it. Uh, again, you just have to remember before Thursday close to to take this call these calls and move them to the next week. And uh, following your guidance, John, I I like to put those orders in on Monday, and I do it. Uh, I put them in for a credit, and I I need to go ahead and credit uh, Bob Dobrin for that because uh, he he told he told us all uh, one time during our meeting that he actually rolled from one week to the next for a credit and got paid to do it, and uh, so over the last couple of months I've I've been able to do that two or three times, so that's fantastic when you can do it. Right, right. You're taking advantage of opportunity just by having your order in there. If somebody wants one and not the other one, you can get filled at prices that are kind of crazy when you think about it, I mean, to your benefit. Yeah, but then, of course, you'll have down days like we had over the last couple of weeks, and if you roll, if I rolled from 1100 to 1100 it was going to cost like 7 bucks. So uh, in that situation, you'll see that I had to roll down about 40 points. So right. here, here we are about a week into the trade, and I put in... Ten more, uh, ten more condors. Let's see. I'll go to the end of the day. A lot of, again, a lot of my adjustments are between three thirty and four, so I'll just put in the four o'clock here. So now I'm up to seventy six uh, and um, seven calls. I've got one that's still still back here. I haven't rolled it. And the trade looks like this. For those of you who do use the weekly calls and you know how much of a pain putting in your date in here, a little tip that I found out is if you just put one slash one and hit enter like three times, there it is. And it takes it to January. I don't know how this is going to work in a couple weeks, but just if you put in one slash one real quick, uh, it just goes to the beginning of the year. Right, and that is the biggest pain in the neck too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, here we are a week into the trade. This trade looks still real nice. I'm just uh, building it up. And something to to look at is where we are right here at 11.90 and where we eventually go, which is down below 11.10 during this trade. And to see 
uh, and it gets worse as time goes on, the amount of money that potentially could have been lost in this trade. So that's, even though this wasn't a big money winner, uh, John, I feel like it's a success because uh, of the way I continued to manage it. Right, yeah, the management is, is, is the key for sure. All right, so on the 12th of November, we had uh, a bit of a down move, I imagine, minus 23 points. So uh, if I take away the trades of the day, uh, you'll see I started with these 76, and then if I show you the trades, I moved 50, 50 down in, in, a, in a condor type order. So to see that visually, uh, it was something like this. Because I want people to see how I do that. And that's something I learned there uh, from you at the APM. Uh, right. Rather than rolling back, you're just kind of kicking back. You're, uh, you're reducing your risk to the downside. You're also dealing with upside risk in case the market reverses, and you're, and you're shifting your position back. So nice. And uh, one thing to be aware of is, of course, this is the new option view. And if you look at the existing delta, it doesn't look like it needed it. But for one reason or another, uh, probably being the old option view, it needed it, right? So um, let's see. Right. That, our, our option view model challenges that we've been having. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oops. Let me. Um, and so now the trade looks like this. So again, we're keeping the T plus zero line flat, and we're just right at that short strike. So I got to start thinking either roll more back like I have or start thinking about rolling this back depending on market opinion. If, if I think that the market's going down, I probably should roll back. But if at this point I thought we've had the hard down move, we're going to come back up. And again, thinking the Santa Claus rally, thinking we're going to end up here, and I was, I was dead wrong on that. Well, that's the good part about this type of trading is you can be pretty darn wrong and still do okay. Absolutely, and that's, that's, that's a great point to be, to be made. And uh, while this is updating, I'll tell you, I also had a, a rock trade on that uh, went from 1190 down to 1120 and just lost a percent and a half, and I'll, I'll be showing that next month on the Capital Discussions Group. Okay, cool. Um, so here we are a couple weeks into the trade, and uh, now we're getting a little bit of whipsaw. We're coming back up, and on the 16th, I bought uh, some 11.30 butterflies and a 10.80 uh, call to take it to eight times. So now I'm not all the way up to my nine times, uh, but, but I've, I've got about eight calls. I think that just shows seven, but... Um, I think I have about eight calls on now. So what I'm doing is I'm just uh, taking opportunity with the market movement and building up my position instead of uh, going all in at once. We've had to move down from where we started, so I'm kind of grateful that I didn't start all way up here. So now I can take fresh money and kind of put it back, uh, back here. Right, so a lot of times you can make out well scaling in, right? And you scale in when the position's down money. And, uh, yes. You can do very and well. You'll, yeah, and, and I did that within the last couple of days of the trade, you'll see. And uh, so this is how it's looking here. I don't necessarily like it. It's looking a bit condorish, but uh, uh, that's how I went in overnight. Uh, let me go a couple more days. 
I think on the 19th, I sold some condors on the upside, uh, probably because of another down move. Let's take a look. Okay, and so now we're down to 11.66. Bring this up a little bit. And so you can see that I'm, I'm with the sh these shorts up here and the, the longs that I have down here, I'm, I'm rolling some of these 12.10s down and then pushing some of these shorts down as well. And if, if I take the trades out, you can see that where I started with 71 and now brought those down. And also uh, rolling down the shorts. That was a big, that was a big adjustment uh, that I learned there for, at the APM seminar because I would always just simply roll the whole thing back and, and by just modifying how you think and how you adjust, you can, like you say, put options wherever you need it to get the T plus zero line you want. Right, a little easier to. I mean, the position looks complicated as heck, but it's a little easier. It's you make a lot of times you make less adjustments that way and you know, move less options and save on commissions and things will be a little bit easier sometimes. Oop, did we lose you, David? I can hear him. I oh, okay. You, David. I lost him. Okay, okay. Then, okay then go on. <laughs> All right. So here we are on the twenty-third. Um, I added a. Uh, 1170 butterfly with the up move. So here we are back, uh, you know, getting whipsawed a little bit back and forth. And as you know, uh, sometimes what we like to do on an up move is add a butterfly just below the market. And so I added uh, like 1170 with the up move and some verticals and and an extra call. So now we should be. Now see, like this delta is not right because I don't have all the calls in there. Not sure where, where they are, but I'll just go on to the next day and see if see if they come in. And, and there they are. So, got the nine calls and ninety butterflies, more or less. And the position now looks kind of like this. And again, all the all the adjustments I'm doing. Uh, are mostly late in the day. Um, I let the market kind of do its thing, and if I've got the day off or don't work till later, I just let the market ride. And and again, this this T plus zero line is a little uh, more curved than it probably was in the original um, position, and we're likely uh, not this negative delta on that old model. We go up to December 1st. I rolled the, the calls. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, going in there, putting putting the order in to uh, roll those calls. And, I, of course, I don't see them in here. Maybe if I go back a half hour. Well, maybe just go to the next day if it's not going to show them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> What do you do? You have your, your stents set on low. No, no, I've I've got everything ex, uh, set up. Oh, there it is. Well, I, that's strange. You know what I did, John, is I deleted the asset file, and so I didn't go back to change. Yeah, that, that's probably why you're losing them. Okay. 
So that's going to make a difference in your Greeks too, for those of you who yeah. don't know that. Yeah. Yes, and as um, normal operation, I always set those to to large. So um, now we're December third. We had a big down day, right? Twenty twenty point down day. So again, I sold more of those upper condors. If I get it, if I um, take away the today trades. That's with ignoring, so I had 51 and 30. Okay, so I guess I might have stretched it out there a little bit. It looks like I brought some longs. Let's see. Let's just take a look. Okay, so what we've done is we've come back, and I've had to roll some of these back. But for the most part, it still looks like uh, like your normal M3. Right. Right. This would have been a really nice trade had the market been somewhat reasonable this month. <laughs> right, and and that's a that's a good point, John. And and it's funny because I was listening to you and and Dave Thomas on the on the group coaching, and I remember Dave saying, you know, here it is, the end of the year. Let's be a little bit more conservative. Well, I took the opposite stance <laughs> and said and said, here it is, the end of the year. I've had. Uh, fantastic year. I'm going to play with a little bit of the house's money and just go all in. And I had a this bullish bias, right, because of the Santa Claus rally, all this good stuff. And I, you'll, you'll see here soon that when the market retraced, I kept that positive delta. And I, I consciously uh, went for it. And it didn't work out, but I still made out with a bit of a profit. Right, that's okay. If it had it gone your way, you would have had it just a spectacular month. So, right. you know, you maybe you didn't make as much as you would have if you traded it normally, but who knows? You don't know where the market's going to go. Absolutely, and and while it wasn't a full blown out, you know, M twenty one type trade, I I did have the mindset of taking taking the risk going in because I really wanted to end the year, uh, say on a high note. <laughs> All right, so we'll go on the fourth. And of course, we'll get to the point here where uh, the the trade was up a ton of money, and this is probably the day that I showed my wife the trade, and I said, "Hey, you know, come look how easy this is. Go, come look how I'm doing." And so from now on, maybe I should go with the concept of what would you know WWJD? What would Jill do? Because my wife was like, "Get out of that thing, book those profits," and of course I didn't. So. Uh, it was one of those deals where we've all been, uh, trade's going well, and you, you think it's good, just going to continue. Right. You know, why shouldn't it? It's, it's been easy this far. Uh, why shouldn't it be easy? Exactly. So we'll go uh, a couple more days, and then this is where we went from, what, like 1170. Uh, here we're down to 1159. Uh, your delta is creeping way up on a position this size. I'm looking um, – I'm look well at nine. I was looking for like 450 delta, but what I did is I did have the foresight on the uh, fourth to, uh, and this is something I often do is get out of a third or a half of a position. So you'll see here on the fourth on that day where I probably uh, could have got out, I went ahead and sold 30 condors and three calls. Right, right, and that was yeah, a that, that's a smart move to book some of your profits when you when you have a really good update. Like yeah, that. 
So then I've got uh, six on, and delta's really high, and trade looks like this. So this is where uh, it starts starts looking bad, and probably should have looked more at, at the downside. But again, it's kind of like, well, the markets come come down really fast. It's gonna mark. It's gonna just shoot right back up, but it it didn't. <laughs> All right, so. We'll go a couple more days, and then uh, it'll be time to exit this trade. So I've taken up off another third. You'll see I was in six and sixty, so now I'm in three and uh, all thirty down here, and maybe a twenty uh, here. And the profits uh, lower, and still keeping that high high delta. And as we go down. I'm taking money out of this trade and reducing my risk by selling those upper condors. I'm selling condors up here to to reduce my risk and now um, have taken uh, the risk down a whole lot down here. Hmm. Uh, and then the 11th, if you guys remember, everything just kind of fell apart uh, on the 11th. and. I was pretty much looking at a break-even trade. Ah, uh, yeah, you're you're, you're kind of holding your, um, yeah. You know what I, you know what I like to do here is I, I like to try and keep my shorts a certain amount under the price, especially when we get close to expiration. It helps a little bit with this. So we would have been better off taking these shorts and bringing them. Yeah, I, I might have rolled that whole wing back or something. I'm, yeah, I'm just, well, yeah, just to, you know, just saying one. Well, and you know what I did is I bought um, I bought 50 butterflies at 1110. So in essence, I did roll that back. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, not sure why it's not showing it here. I did that on you, the. You didn't. Uh, you have to hit, hit your uh, re redo button. Oh, there you go. So what you'll see here is that I did roll that back. Hold on. Okay. Okay. So. That's what I did, John. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so um, here I had taken money out of the trade, and now I'm putting it back in a week to expiration because uh, we had gone down so much, and those shorts were above the market. And so now the trade looks like this going into the weekend, which doesn't look bad under the tent. I've got this huge problem up here, but again, that's uh, what a standard deviation or more. Uh, before I get there, and I know I, I went ahead and modeled selling some verticals here and selling some verticals here if we shot up reasonably well. And I knew that I wouldn't make a whole lot of money, but I wouldn't lose a lot either. Right. So Monday I closed this thing because we started to go down a little bit more. And then what I'll do is just take it to, to 9.30 and 10. Uh, I think I got out of this around 10 to 10.30. Or, or I started, I think, at 10.30. So uh, I'll go up to 10 o'clock. Well, I'm sorry. First, I'll take a look at what it, what it looked like. Whoops. Sorry about that. So at this point, I just threw in the towel, John, and said, my bullish bias is wrong. 
<laughs> he finally gave up. Yeah. Yeah. So I just looked at this downside and thought, you know what? I've got lots of stuff to do. It's Christmas time. I I don't want to babysit this thing through expiration. Right. Yeah. Not not a bad idea. So no, I, uh, good trade. You, you uh, like I said, you had a lot of moving around, a lot of back and forth. Um, really choppy market. Doing a double size, it's it's a little bit challenging, and, and at a time you were up decent money there. So uh, yeah, here let me uh, a little bit about to... taking advantage of opportunity comes to mind. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes I have taken opportunity, and sometimes I let opportunity take me. Right. Well, at least you got out of some of it, and that's a that's a good thing. And I think I I've said this more than a million times. When you get a day when all of a sudden you you see a bit huge increase in value in your position, it's usually a good sign to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, um, the reports are not showing everything correctly, but I got out of this for about fifty six hundred dollars. Fifty six hundred profit. And Nice. Yeah, which on that, which sounds decent. You know, most people would love to make an extra, you know, fifty six hundred bucks a a month. But on the planned capital that I had, it was maybe two or three percent. Right. Right. Well, the thing is too. Like I said, this wasn't particularly an easy month. It was something that moved around quite a bit. So. And, and close to expiration. Right. 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 And that's what that's what chopped you up. Yes. So that's awesome. Yeah. Right. Thank you. And you know, like I've told some of the other guys on the Skype group, it would have been easy uh, for me to show you a, a 20% trade or a, a, a $20,000 month this year, uh, but I don't think that helps anybody except me, right? That just <laughs> boosts right. me up. What I want to to tell people and let them know is you can have months like this. You can have months where you lose, and you can still be a successful trader. Uh, don't don't let that get you down. Uh, you got to have that right mindset, and psychology is is so much of this. And it wasn't until I learned that and uh, and actually believed it that it, things started to shine. Right, right, exactly. And and I agree. You always learn more from the from the rough ones. And Andrew Stanton also just said that you always learn more from the from the tough ones than you do from the easy ones. And we also have a comment of thank you so much uh, for the background, and it was a great story. And uh, we have a couple questions on in the money calls, on the on the weekly calls. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind, we will. No, put no, it in there. not at all. When, you, when using weekly in the money calls, should you automatically roll to a slightly higher strike each week to reduce capital and risk? Um, well, I'll just uh, parrot what I heard from you on Options Tribe about a month or two ago, John, and, and say uh, wait for the, wait for a market rise, and sometimes you can go from the 1100 up to the 1120, and uh, and do it either for a credit or, or for very little. You know, I, I like to uh, the sweet spot for me is about. Uh, 15 cents if I'm doing one for one. If I'm doing 1100 to 1100, uh, I like to do it for for 15 cents. If I've done it for that around that much, I'm happy. Right, right. If the market goes up a lot, you can you can take advantage of it and just uh, and just roll the thing up. Uh, have an order to roll it up and take that risk yeah. off the table. Have an order to roll it up and know exactly uh, what you're paying because it's easy if you're if you're uh, exchanging it for a like call, but once you step it up 40 points, you have to kind of do the math and, and know that you're going to get a $40 credit minus 
whatever you're paying for it. So it might be a it might come out as like thirty nine eighty five. So you kind of have to do that math in your head and not just blindly put it in there. Well, that's the thing. People can get hurt hurt a lot price wise rolling calls up and down if they don't understand how it should be priced. You're deep in the money, the call has real value, and you need to calculate what that real value is so you know what you're paying for time value when it rolls and stuff. Right. And then on the flip side, if, the, if you have to move it, it's Thursday afternoon, uh, you just know that you're going to have to pay for it and you're going to have to roll down. So not only are you you know, going to have to pay the time value because there's absolutely none left in the call that you have, but you're buying something that's a week away, uh, you're going to have to you know, pay that spread. 30 or 40 points, whatever it is, plus, you know, another, you know, whatever, 50 cents a dollar uh, to roll it sometimes. Just like trading in general. Sometimes you make out, sometimes you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For the long call weeklies, with how many days to expiration do you buy them and how many days to expiration do you sell them? Well, I just I do it week to week. So uh, when I first start a trade, I'll look for a, a call that's out, you know, ten days. I'll, I'll look to that next Thursday. If it, if if I'm looking at something that only has six days, I might go out to that thirteen. You know, I'll, I'll look to that to the next one and and analyze it and see if I'm I'm fine with with putting that amount into the trade because you know you don't want to buy a call on Tuesday just to have to roll it on Thursday. Uh, yes, yeah, I agree with you there. The other thing, too, you run into with this, too, another nuance is when the market comes down and all of a sudden ex explodes in time value and it puts your position negative theta, right? That's something people don't think about. And how, you know, it is, and something that I've seen on TOS not calculate correctly. Uh, sometimes on a, on a Thursday, if I haven't rolled, uh, the, the position I know is not negative theta, but it just shows, it shows that it is. Uh, just from how it looks on option view and everything, uh, it's not my opinion that it's. Uh, well, it may be negative theta, but it's negative theta for the next thirty minutes or the next uh, right. or next four hours, right? Because you have right. you have t when your position goes negative theta, you have to think about why is it negative theta? Well, it's because I have a call that has a dollar time value in it, and that's going to be worth zero later, um, yeah. right? So that's that's your risk right there. So yes. You need to pick that out. Um, you know, and a lot of times, you know, you have the choice, and, I, and I've had clients get into this. We have the choice of you know, the market's coming down, the, the call gained a bunch of value. You know, now what do you do with it? And they're, they're afraid to roll it back and take and scalp that time, which is what I tend to do. I usually roll right. it back and scalp the time uh, value out of it. But that also puts on a lot more downside risk, so. Yeah, it does, and you just have to be confident in the fact that you're going to make the money from the butterflies. Right, right. I think that's that's probably the case. It's, it's choosing to have confidence somewhere. Nice yeah. personal development uh, wording. I like it. I like it. Uh, okay, great. Uh, let's see. Normally, when you enter your M3 with less days to expiration, do you still plan to exit at 21 days, or usually do you, or usually do you exit closer to expiration? A lot like of times, I, yeah. I, a lot of times, I I find myself. Uh, I I like to follow your ten day to expiration rule, John. Uh, if if I'm fifty percent, if I come in closer than ten days and I'm above fifty percent of my uh, 
profit target, I'll usually take it. This is one of those times that I didn't, and I had that in the plan ahead of time. Uh, I wanted to kind of go for the home run. But uh, the, the month, the several months before this, uh, I get to 10 days. If I'm anywhere close to my profit target, I just I take it and run uh, I, and laugh all the way to the bank. <laughs> there you go. Nice. So a bit of a plan break there, and it slapped you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know what? You've got – again, it's, it goes back to psychology. You've got to be okay with that. And I, I don't lose sleep at night thinking, oh, I only made 5000 instead of twenty. I just right. don't. I, I've got uh, too much of a life to live and too busy. So you, you – and I, I say that because there's there was a time where I did let that get me down. And it's like, right. really? You're upset at yourself because you made money. <laughs> and it just makes sense. Right. See, the tragedy—the tragedy isn't that you went from twenty thousand dollars to five thousand dollars. The tra tragedy is that you let that bother your psychology, so you couldn't trade well in the future. That's the tragedy. Correct. And, and that that will hold you—that will hold you back the next month. Right. Right. And 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 that's that. And that's the bigger thing with mindset that you just said. And uh, you know, I I I love that. Um, you know, if you make this choice to say, you know, I'm going to bring this into 10 days to expiration, or or into expiration, I don't usually do that, and and you do that without fully understanding that if you lose that money, or take a loss on that trade because you did that, how that's going to affect you in the future, that's the bigger that's the bigger issue than losing the money. Agreed. Nice, love it. Okay, super. Uh, let's see. Do you have any more comments, David? No, I think that's it. But wow, I I can't believe the uh, time went so so quick. I was afraid of, you know, not full, uh, filling thirty minutes, and here we are, fifty minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I well actually I have something before David runs away. If if oh, if you don't mind, super. David, giving us a few more minutes. Absolutely. Hello, Sherry. Hi. Um. Here's my question about you've attended the APM squared program. Um. And so what I was wondering is. And you you attended live. So my question to you is because we have the upcoming Hawaii uh, trip, the yes. Trading Triangle Live. I'm wondering what you got out of the live event because you've also taken the online courses as well. So I'm wondering what is the difference between attending an online event and taking it online for you? Yeah, I mean just being fully immersed in it, and you get uh, as much from the other traders and you know, positive energy uh, as you do from, you know, the coursework itself and just coming in, be, being able to meet the both of you and uh, it's kind of just like shaking hands and rubbing against the, the successful people. It kind of rubs off on you and uh, it, it's just a whole different dynamic because I've gone back and watched the APM squared course just as I've gone back and watched the M21 course, which I was also – uh, they're live as well, and it's, it's just a, a whole different dynamic that people will tell you, uh, just like it's different. Uh, listening to a CD is a whole lot different than being at the concert, and that's what I would compare it to. So I I would advise you, everyone to, to get there if they can, and uh, unfortunately, uh, June is, is our big, biggest, busiest month of, of flying and I'm I'm trying my hardest to uh, uh, trade my vacation I have uh, vacation uh, in for uh, Thanksgiving 2016 and I've I've uh, 
voluntarily uh, put that out for trade uh, for someone else to pick that up for their uh, third week in, in June so I can come visit you guys. Oh gosh, I hope that I hope that works out. It would be great <laughs> to see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love to be there. Uh, uh, right now, I, I'm not sure it, it will happen. But I've told my wife that as if and when the uh, that trade goes through, um, we're we're booking the tickets. So it's not even a question. It's it's something that we are definitely doing if I can get the time off. Awesome. Well, I I hope it works out for sure. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, let's do. Well, thank, thank you, David. We really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, giving us a, a, a little bit of an idea of how you traded. It, it's actually very interesting to me because I didn't know a lot of that about David. I just knew I met him with the one M21 meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's great to know your background and, and, and where you've come from, and uh, I thank you for being here. Absolutely. Best uh, happy holidays and, and all that good stuff to, to you and, and yours and everyone out there. I I'm, I'm hope that uh, it was helpful to uh, a person or two. <laughs> I'm sure it was. All right. Thank you. And we'll right. ho hopefully we're, we'll see you in Hawaii. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll okay. see you. Okay. See you there. Thanks. Bye-bye.